21, chapter 8, Jesus is talking to a number of different types of people in the temple courts. After the Feast of the Dedication, here he's talking to those Jews who believed him. If you abide in my word, verse 31, you're my disciples indeed. See how important the word is? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they said, well, wait a minute, we're Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. That wasn't exactly true. They'd been in bondage to lots of different uh, societies, cultures, Babylon, Syria, and they're currently, as they say this, in subjection to the Romans. But maybe they were talking about something else. Maybe they were talking about bondage of how to worship And they say, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? And most assuredly, Jesus answered them, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Sure. By the way, i got a little news for you. All of us commit sin. (laughs) All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And therefore, we're slaves to sin. And therefore, we're being pointed to a Savior. Him. Jesus Christ. And a slave doesn't abide in the house forever, but a son does, right? A slave just serves in his master's house till his contract's up, and then he's gone. But a son always is welcome. That's the point. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. True freedom isn't doing anything you want to do. That's how we think of it here in the West. Being able to just do what we want. As long as I'm good and I'm not hurting anybody, I'm fine. But the Bible describes something way different. Being all you were created to be as you listen to, respond to, have faith in, trust, declare Jesus as your Savior. And as you obey, you find freedom. You are free in this sense. God created you. This this is kind of a weird way of saying it, but I'll say it anyway. It says it in John, that he's in you and you're in him somehow. I can't fully explain it, but you were made to be indwelt by God. And you're in him somehow, and that's freedom. Freedom from things like this, the most important, sin. Freedom from the world's way of thinking. I don't have to think that my material possessions are the toys that are going to get me somewhere. If I have toys, that's okay. But as long as they don't possess me, you you get it? (laughs) I can be free from this notion that I have to please everybody. I'm just pleasing the Father. I'm going to live as much as I can in peace with everyone, but really freedom to just please him and really no one else. We're free from criticism. Somebody can now come and criticize us in the way in which we respond, I believe, is a real barometer to our spiritual life. Who here loves to be criticized? Don't raise your hand. I think I know the answer. And yet, there's a way in which we respond to criticism. Even the word criticism here, in this day and age, it just makes the hair stand up on the back of our neck, but it's not a dirty word. Criticism can be constructive. How about this? Somebody we think is slighting us or, or you know, not acting respectful towards us, really. <laughs> Did they act respectful to the Lord himself? 
and we're his followers. We have this freedom, this awesome freedom to serve and to give out to others. If you really want to be free, stop thinking about yourself so much. Isn't that weird? The American ideal is puff self up, build self up, get an empire. The Bible says if you want to be free, love and serve others. You want to be free from worry? It's in Jesus. You want to be free from anxiety? It's in Christ. You want to be free from guilt, from pride, from anger, and on and on and on. True freedom is found in Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves. It says here in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. I know you were born from his flesh. I know the hereditary line. I know it, Jesus says. But you seek to kill me. You see what religion does? You see what external rule-keeping does? If you don't add up or live up to the way I think about how you should be acting, bitterness sets in and it can be full-blown murder, plot to kill. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I love this word in the Greek. This phrase in the Greek, that word of God has no place in those who aren't following the Lord. You know what the word means? Boy, when I looked this up, I said, oh, no. I can't look at this. This is convicting me. It means this. You leave no space for the word. Who here is too busy in the morning for their devotions? Who here is too busy at night for their devotions? Who here doesn't pick up the Bible? I'm pointing back at myself. We leave, your word has no place in you. We leave no space. We make no room. We don't yield to your word. That's what it means in the Greek. Not just knowing and hearing it, but also yielding to it. In other words, obeying it. We can come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, learn it from stem to stern, walk through the doors, and not obey. And it's not truth until it's obeyed. And so, may we leave place. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Wait a second here. Jesus is telling these very religious people, I am intimate with the Father, Jesus says. I have a relationship with the Father, but you, as a religious person, have a different Father. Can, can you imagine what they must have been thinking, these religious folks who are always around the temple doing all their prayers, doing all their sacrifices, doing all the rules, doing all the rituals, and here comes this revolutionary dude, guy, and he says, I know the Father, I know God, and you don't. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you have done what you've seen with your father. And they answered and said to him, wait a minute. Abraham's our father. And Jesus said to them, now now you got to think about this. Abraham is the leader, the father of the Israel nation. It's interesting to me, he didn't even come from the land of Canaan. He came from the Ur of the Chaldeans over here, way east like in the Iran, Iraq area, and then God t- 
talked to him and said, take your family over to Haran, southern Turkey. And he said, just hold on there. And then uh, Abraham's dad dies, and then he moves him down into the land of Canaan. And Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. And they say, wait a minute, Abraham's our father. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Now, here's where we need to know our Old Testament. What were the works? See, here my ears perk up because when I first became a Christian, works were important to me. I'm going to be the best Christian I can be. Right, Brad? And we're going to just do and do and do and please God. And boy, I'm going to be so awesome that God's going to be so happy with me. And man, did I was I in for a rude awakening. And yet the Bible says because this, that we're not saved by any works that we do. We're saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But oh, listen to this, James tells us, his half-brother. You're not saved by works, but you're saved unto works. So it's not like we have to do anything, but man, we get to do everything. Everything that the Lord wants us to do. And so when I hear this, that perks up. Wait a minute, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. What was the work of Abraham? You would go back to Genesis 15. Here's the work of Abraham. Make sure you know this. The work of Abraham was he believed. And it was accounted unto him righteousness. Okay, I know. I know. I say it every week. I think it's my mission in life. I really do. I know, and so do you if you read your Bible, why everybody who's not going to be with the Lord when they die, the reason that they're not going to be with the Lord. In other words, those who are going to hell, I know why they're going to hell, and so do you if you read your Bible. And you do. And I know why everybody's going to heaven who's going to heaven, and so do you if you read your Bible, and it's right here. Because those who are counting on their own righteousness, now catch that, are going to fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible declares. But then on the other hand, everybody who's going to heaven, just just know this. If you're new to the Bible here today, you're saying, what is he talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about. Just do yourself a favor. Go see 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, where? At the cross, so that we might have the righteousness of God in him. That's it. Why do you think people get up here and sing? Why do you come here on Sunday not to check something off your list? Because you have been, what's been imputed to you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is the righteousness of God. Are you kidding me? And so, that's Abraham. You would do the works of Abraham. And what's he saying? Just have faith, trust, believe what I'm telling you. I'm from God. I know God. Believe, trust, have faith. That's all. But now you seek to kill me. (laughs) Doesn't sound very Christ-like, does it? But now you seek to kill me. A man has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Catch that? Jesus came from God, was with God, talked with God, was intimate with God, knew God, had fellowship with God. 
I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Abraham was a friend of God, it says in Isaiah 41. Abraham walked with God. He was the father of this nation. His faith and trust was in whom? You do the deeds of your father. Hold with me. Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Where does that come from? I mean, seriously, don't, don't you read this and you go, what? <laughs> where, where, where is that coming from? It's like a little kid's argument, unfortunately, probably in middle school. <laughs> right? It's on the bus on the way to middle school right here. This is it. Listen, it's a slight. It's a dig. Your mom, right? He's talking about his mom. We know. Your mom had you out of wedlock, buddy. Who are you talking to us? I can hear it. It's, it has, happens now. When, you, when you're getting beat in an argument, what do you resort to? Hopefully we don't. But what do people resort to? Just, mm, I'm going to give it to him now. I'll talk about his mom. <laughs> That's what's happening. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. I've come from God. I mean, can you imagine these claims? That's why William Barclay says it's lightning flash after lightning flash of astonishment. He making a claim. He came from God. This baby born into a carpenter, born into this man who walked around and taught and spoke to these folks like this in their own home turf on the temple courts. I've come from God. Why do you not understand my speech? And here's why. I love it. I told you this. We have another one here. Lawyer, when that guy over there, Mr. Anthony, was in law school, first day they make Anthony stand up and they just grill him. They don't say, just tell me the facts about the case, tell me the law. They just start asking him questions at law school. It's because they want you to think and know it comprehensively and understand all the different angles, not just know facts. And Jesus is doing it right here, the Socratic method. Why don't you understand my speech? I don't think it's smart aleck here. I think he's driving them towards comprehensive knowledge of who he is. Why do you not understand my speech? Because, here's why, because you're not able to. Why? What's he talking about? Well, worldly people understand worldly language. Eternal people, of which you are, Understand worldly language. That's why sometimes when we're speaking to people who haven't surrendered their lives to Christ, they have no idea what we're talking about. And we got to explain and, and do a good job of that. But that's what's happening here. Why don't you understand my speech? That's because you're not able to. And then listen, here comes the uppercut. <laughs> These are religious external people. They keep the law, man. You are of your father. I'll tell you who your father is. It's the devil. Oh, my. And the desires of your father you want to do. See, we're of a nature 
These folks are of a certain nature. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is new truth in him. The devil, a murderer from the beginning. See, his father, or their father, it was a murderer. That's what the devil wants. He wants to just wreck home lives. He wants to murder everything that's happening that's good in your life through God. He wants to just wreck it and stymie it and make it a dead end and make you quit. And by the way, oh, wait a minute, he was a murderer? Guess what they are plotting right this second at the time this story is told? Murder. Murder. By the way, here's some good news. Boy, I hope this is right. It's just coming to me in my mind. Go to 2 Peter 1. I sure hope this is right or I'm in trouble. Oh, pressure off. (laughs) If you don't know this scripture, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to go home this week and learn it. Right here is the heart of the Christian life. It's not what I thought. Learn rule, learn rule, learn rule, learn rule, learn rule, do them all. That's me. This is the Christian life. See, he's talking about your nature. Here, Peter. By the way, Peter was like me. Foot in mouth, rush out, had to do stuff without thinking. That's me. And he was like this, and then he wrote this. This is why I want you to hear this. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What a great prayer. As his divine power has given to us the body of Christ. Catch this. All things that pertain to life and godliness. (laughs) You need some answers? Okay, go to Christ, he's saying. Through the knowledge of him, Jesus who called us by his glory and virtue, by which, we have been given, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Oh, that's fantastic, wonderful. I love it, but this I like better. That through these, the promises, how, do you, how, how can you do this if you don't know the promises, which means know the word of God, that through these, you, I want you to catch this. I don't care if you surrendered your life to Christ yesterday, Or a million years ago, no one here did it a million years ago, 70 years ago, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, yesterday, listen to what you can have in Christ. It's so mind-boggling, I almost, it's hard to even read almost, that through these, the precious promises, you, Christian, may be partakers of the divine nature. See, that's the Christian life. The Christian life isn't rule, 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 do good. The Christian life is that we're indwelt by the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and he gives us his divine nature if we walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5 tells us. that. Listen, if you get nothing out of this sermon, you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You, maybe you've never even opened the Bible. Just, I want you to think of this this week. Christianity is about him living in you and you living in response to what he's, been, he's done for you. That's it. 
He lives in you by the power and work of Jesus, defeating death on the cross, paying the penalty for your sins, and now he'll send his helper, the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, third person, Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you and I and we can be partakers of the divine nature. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, that's your nature. You see what I'm trying to get at? See, these religious, external, don't laugh, don't dance. I won't say the rest. You know, just always picking things out. But, but listen, we are just experiencing the Lord and living it out by his great and precious promises. That is the Christian life. Man, that's beautiful. I was reminded of this last this week, man, when I was away from you. I sure missed all of you and being away, and I was in San Francisco. A fella who uh, has come to our fellowship, especially over in the theater. He lived in Modesto, California for about 50 years. He died December 10th here in Pittsburgh, and they asked me to do his funeral. So I was in San Francisco with a friend, staying with a friend, actually with a friend of a friend. That's the important part. I want you to catch that. And the friend of the friend said, hey, I want you to take my tundra an hour and a half into Modesto. I was in San Francisco. And he said, you, here, here's your keys. Have my truck. Go do it. Do the funeral. Come back when you want. Carte blanche, you can have my truck. I said, oh, great, man. Thanks. He gave it to me at night. I had to leave at 5.15, 5.30 in the morning. So I get out into the truck. And I stick the key in. And you ever had this happen? It will not move. I mean, it won't move. I mean, I'm there like trying a hundred times. And all I'm, I'm panicked now. I'm panicked. I'm looking through. I can't fix anything. I told somebody. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I can't. I'm sitting there blaming my dad and my brother. <laughs> they didn't teach me anything. And I'm, I got it, and I'm going click, click. And, and then the thought comes into my mind. Oh my goodness. I got to go up and knock on his bedroom door where he is with his wife at 5.15 in the morning and say, I can't start the truck. <laughs> and I'm touching buttons, and I got my foot on the brake, and I'm, do and I'm just freaking. I mean freaking, because I do not want to go up to the bedroom and say, come help me. And then the Lord speaks to me. Here's what it was. I'm rushing out. I've already done his memorial service in Pittsburgh. So I'm doing it for a second time. I've got it written in here. I've done it lots of times. In fact, this fall, we, I think we had, right in this fellowship, we had six funerals or so in a row every Saturday. And I'm thinking, I know how to do this. I've done it before. I'm not even, maybe I'm not even thinking that. I'm just running out the door, doing my own thing. I can do this. My thoughts of God, praying, asking him to empower me into this uh, beautiful service to the Lord. Just be, none of that. I'm just trying to get in the car and get out to Modesto. And the Lord says, wait a minute, you're always like that. <laughs> you, you always panic. You, 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 you know, I didn't hear the words, but this is in my spirit. You always rush ahead. You always rely on yourself. Uh, probably, by the way, he wasn't saying it the smart aleck way I'm saying. He was doing it in a nice reminder. And I go, okay, I'll pray. I'm right there, 515, right in the driveway. And as I'm praying, I'm chuckling. 
Because you know what I know? When I stick that key in, it's going to work, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I can't move it. I can't even move the steering wheel. You know how sometimes the steering wheel gets locked? Won't do it. And I'm praying, I'm praying. Just say, Lord, just bless this time and empower me. And Lord, the words you want to speak. And I just laugh because I know. And I take that key. Turns right on. And it was a fantastic reminder to me. And why am I telling you this? Because the Bible here, right here, 2 Peter, is to depend upon his power and resource and strength and guidance. And I don't want to do that all the time. I've been a lawyer since 1992. I just run downtown and do my thing. I can handle this. I basically say every day when I don't pray, I don't need you, God. Anybody else have that resonate with them? Yeah, well, I get ahead of myself. And the Lord is saying, let your nature be my nature, empowered by this great divine resource that you have. But because I tell you the truth, verse 45, you don't believe me. Think about it. They're the truth keepers he's speaking to. And they're rejecting him because he's telling the truth. Isn't that odd? Weird how religion can do that. External rules. Which of you convicts me of sin, I think he says, Socratic method, because none of them could. You know that. And if I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? Think about it, guys. That's what he's saying. Think about it. If I'm telling the truth, I'm from God, you, you should abide in the word, love like no one's business. If you think that, and I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Believe me, he's saying. He who is of God hears God's word, therefore you don't hear because you're not of God. What an indictment. Now listen, i got to hurry, but you hang on. Trust me. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Don't say rightly that you're a Samaritan and have a demon. Oh, now we're really going, I mean, this is really low. They considered the Samaritans the worst of the worst. And they can said, oh, you, you, you have a demon. I mean, what, how else worse could you say? And Jesus answered, I don't have a demon. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I don't seek my own glory than is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. I want you to mark that. And then I want you to think about one thing before we talk about that. He got this guy... I mean, just these guys just ripping him. <laughs> I mean, you're a Samaritan, and a demon is inside of you. What happens when people say stuff like that to you? What do you want to do? I mean, you just want to, you're loading up, right? Oh, you kidding me? As soon as I have a chance, you're getting it. I want you to see Jesus' reaction. Remember, we're partakers of the divine nature. He just says, hey, I don't have a demon, just a simple reply. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And then he just gives it over unto the Lord. I'm not going to strike back at these people. Because vengeance is the Lord's, it says in Romans, doesn't it? I'll just hand it over to him. He can deal with that. How many here want to just strike back? But I want you to know something. You don't have to. You're a partaker of the divine nature. In fact, in several places, Corinthians and else, it says you have 
available to you, and so do I, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ? We can think like he thinks, evaluate like he evaluates, respond like he responds. Oh, yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. What does that mean? What do you mean? I've done seven funerals, eight funerals, nine funerals, ten funerals this year, and you folks have been to a lot of them. And you know physically people have died. Let me read to you something at his friend's funeral. Just let me read it to you and just bask in it. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Do people die? The answer is yes and no. To those who are in Christ, yes, for now. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord now. But it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that at the last trumpet, your glorified, your, your, your soul, your real inner person, the real you is going to be reunited with a glorified, resurrected body, you read it. You don't have to depend on me for it. Read it. And so, most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And I don't seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know that we have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never, they turn it and twist it, taste death, it's because they will see death, maybe, unless the Lord returns, maybe we'll see death, but we'll never taste death. Now, I've got to tell you this real quick, okay? And I've got to look on my phone to do it, because I looked it up on the internet, and I took a note of it, okay? Death, for those who are outside of Christ, is haunting. It knocks on people's door every, every day. And so I looked up some things on the internet. I want to share it with you. And then I want to tell you the good news. I read this on the internet. Oh man, please let me get there. I'm afraid of death. Death haunts me every day. I don't want to lose everyone, my memories, my experience, and everything the world has to offer. I can't sleep thinking how death will one day come. And even though I'm living my life, it's all fun and everything, but eventually it's going to end. And it scares me and it haunts me more than anything. That's one person. And then I find this one fascinating from an atheist. I'm not suicidal, I'm an atheist. I don't know what that means. But I believe there is nothing after death, but I wish in all capitals, and I hope in all capitals, that there is something, anything, beyond death. But I don't think there is. I'm not necessarily terrified. I believe death is peaceful. I believe death is like it's how it would be before you were born. Nothing. But I don't ever want to die. But I feel the constant sadness and grief. And I know my mother's death could be at any time. And I try to picture a body without life, etc., etc. How can something so alive and active in here suddenly be dead, lifeless, inanimate, thoughts and senses to nothing? And on and on and on it goes. And you know people like that. And there is a scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. You sing it a lot. Oh, death, where is your sting? You can be confident in the Lord 
The Bible says in uh, John 5, we're almost done. I'm the living bread. Yeah, right, right. I'm the living, or most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life. You understand? Everlasting life doesn't start when you die physically. Everlasting life starts the minute you surrender your life to Christ. You've been translated from death to life. Don't believe me? Go read Ephesians 2. Just read it. You've been tra- so everlasting life starts now. Think about the implications. I want you to know the implications. You don't have to be afraid of death. It doesn't have to haunt you. You don't have to think about it and, and worry about it and for your family. What you can do is live confidently in this life. In Hebrews 2, it said Jesus destroyed. Don't you, for a sports person who loves domination in sports when I hear this man I'm jacked up destroys the power of death that's what Jesus did he destroyed it it says in Colossians he made a public spectacle I love it of those who were out to get him a public spectacle they thought they were getting him he got them but he did it through love and sacrifice not the way I would do it And so you can be confident. Look, look at all this. You can grow and live and be confident and bold. You can be bold. What can anybody do to you? Except for you being under the influence and power and sovereignty of God. And you can be joy in sad places, and you can be light in dark places because you're not fretting and worrying. You understand that when you die, it's not goodbye, it's hello. So, as we go this week, I just pray that that's how we live, that the Lord gives us this, that the Lord speaks this into our heart, because guess what? You're going to go somewhere tomorrow at 8 o'clock, and not everybody's going to be like you. And they're going to, going, to, going, to, going to want to gripe and complain and gossip and worry and fret and accuse and gossip. <laughs> right? And the Lord is saying to you, you know, that's your beachhead. That's where I've landed you. Go and be light. In that dark world in his power I'm going to ask those guys to come back we'll sing one last song join me in prayer here as we sing and remember Lord thank you so much for your word we just pray Lord that you would knit these truths to our very being Lord that we could be confident in you that we understand that we would never have to taste death we don't have to be haunted we could live again in freedom we're even free from the horrors, the thoughts of nothingness, because we know we're going to spend eternity praising you. We thank you for this time. We just ask that you cover us and in, uh, uh, give us power and resource to live this week in Jesus' name.